The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to the week 9 edition of Filato's Fantasy Corner here on Big Blue View Radio Network for SB Nation. How's everyone doing? We had a Monday night football game where the Giants were incredibly competitive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Surprising a lot of us. I think uh, we have to applaud this coaching staff, including Jason Garrett, who kind of takes a lot of crap from the media, from the fans. But I thought the Buccaneers came out in a lot of single high looks. Jason Garrett got aggressive, was airing it out. Daniel Jones had his worst game by far. Not going to dive too deep into the Giants like I do on Falato on football because this is specifically a fantasy football podcast. We want to go over this week's slate, this week nine slate. The week nine buys, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Los Angeles Rams, Philadelphia Eagles, which is pretty great because a lot of these teams are kind of banged up. You got guys like Daryl Henderson who are dealing with a thigh injury. You've got Miles Sanders possibly coming back from a from his injury as well after this bye week, Austin Hooper, who if he's on your free agent wire, I would go and pick him up without Odell Beckham. This guy's guaranteed almost for around eight targets a game, which is excellent for the tight end position. And it's not like he had something that could be lingering yet an appendectomy. So he's going to be back in the lineup more than likely after the bye week. And then obviously Joe Mixon, who has a foot injury and he still isn't practicing right now. You hope that's precautionary. But if not, Giovanni Bernard might be somebody, especially if you're a Joe Mixon owner and you do not own him and somebody cut him because he was by, they didn't think that Joe Mixon was going to be out the next week, you might want to pick him up just for insurance because Giovanni Bernard has proved it time and time again that when Joe Mixon's not there, he's a very, very viable running Finds the end zone, very involved in the passing attack. And Zach Taylor, this coaching staff, coaching staff that did not draft Giovanni Bernard, does not mind giving him the workload. Is that a product of Samaj B. Ryan being your third back? possibly but at the same time all we look for in fantasy football is opportunity and he's receiving that opportunity but let's dive into the quarterback rankings to no one's surprise the first quarterback is Patrick Mahomes after he dropped 36 fantasy points on the New York Jets throwing for five touchdowns Pat Mahomes is typically always up there with Russell Wilson as a number one Russell Wilson is not my number two but I still love Russell Wilson but Pat Mahomes can't say enough about him. Number two, I actually have Josh Allen against Seattle. We saw what Nick Mullins did in a quarter and a half of play last week. Put up, I think it was 17 fantasy points against Seattle. And yes, Seattle had a lead, but still, I think it just speaks to the defense of Seattle and how they do have holes. Now, I think their front seven played a lot better. Bobby Wagner 
And those boys were all over the place against San Francisco. They were all over Jimmy Garoppolo. They were getting a lot of pressure against Jimmy Garoppolo. But with Josh Allen, what he can do with his legs, he's had so many down weeks. He's kind of been disappointing the last five weeks. But I think he's going to have a bounce back at home against Seattle. Obviously, check the weather reports. I always think that is huge. Going into the games last week, there was a lot of weather advisories that it was going to be really, really poor, really, really windy in a lot of cases. And that's why a lot of fantasy scores were down last week. It's because you had games like Cleveland and Las Vegas that was just a slosh fest. You had so many games that were really affected by weather. So you want to check that up in Buffalo. But if the weather does check out and it's not 25, 30 mile per hour winds or anything like that, I do love Josh Allen against the Seattle defense on the road. Number three for me is Russell Wilson at Buffalo. Russell Wilson right now is the number one fantasy quarterback in the league. He has 212 fantasy points, four-point passing touchdown leagues, with Pat Mahomes just behind him with 208, and then Kyler Murray behind both of them. And then it's Josh Allen and then Tom Brady to round out the top five. And ironically enough, Carson Wentz is the sixth, and that's probably because he has, I think, six rushing touchdowns on the season. If not six, he has five. He just keeps finding the end zone. That's somewhat anomalous. You can't really rely on that, to be honest. But it's still there. He's still doing it. So you have to kind of take that into account. And when it terms of Russell Wilson going up against Buffalo, Buffalo hasn't been too liberal when it comes to just giving away fantasy points to the quarterback position. They rank in the bottom 10. They allow about 20 fantasy points a game, whereas Seattle allows the fourth most at 28 fantasy points per game. And I think we have a big enough sample size at this point where you can start taking a lot of these stats. You obviously want to apply context, but you can start taking these stats and applying it because we have an eight-game sample size, seven-game for some of these teams. The Jets right now weren't number one last week, but they faced Pat Mahomes, who dropped 36 points and drove <laughs> their fantasy points per game way up. And now Minnesota is just below them still, but Minnesota is going up against Chase Daniel or David Blau or whoever they put out there because Matt Stafford is on the COVID-19 list as of right now. Don't believe it was a false positive. Maybe that will come out. Russell Wilson's at three. Number four is Kyler Murray versus Miami. Miami's defense is real with a healthy Byron Jones and a healthy Xavier Howard. And the front seven is playing really well. They were able to put so much pressure on Jared Goff. I went over this on Flotto on Football, how I thought the Rams were put into a really tough spot on a Monday night game, and then they had to travel to the East Coast for that 1 o'clock start that we always talk about on this podcast. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that Miami's defense, since they've been healthy, have looked really, really effective. But this is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray does so much with his legs. They're going to have DeAndre Hopkins, who has a full week of rest coming off of a bye. You're going to love what Kyler Murray should be able to do in what could be a high-scoring game. Now, the X factor, the question mark, I guess, is Tua. Is Tua Tungavailoa going to be able to move this offense enough to compete with the Arizona Cardinals, or is it going to be just a bunch of Chase Edmonds down the stretch? We're not really 100% sure because we didn't get a good glimpse of that in week one because the special teams and the defense of the Miami Dolphins did everything in that game. Tua had the one touchdown to Devontae Parker, but he had less than 100 yards passing, had the fumble because of Aaron Donald, but he didn't really have to do a lot. So I think that's an interesting storyline. But you have Kyler Murray, you're starting him. Five, Deshaun Watson at Jacksonville. Love this matchup. Texans are coming off of a bye. Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, I think they could be in for smash weeks against the Jacksonville team that is probably the second worst team in the NFL behind the New York Jets. So Deshaun Watson at Jacksonville, I don't think there's too much more analysis there. Six, Justin Herbert versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Herbert is just lighting the world on fire right now. 
He ranks 12th right now in fantasy points, and he missed several games and had his bye week already. He's doing excellent, excellent stuff for this Los Angeles Chargers team. And it's just funny because he wasn't going to be the starter. And I guess you can understand that because of COVID and the lack of training camp OTAs and the the fact that they might not have been able to build what they would want Justin Herbert to understand and kind of force put him into a position to where he would be comfortable enough to start but everything happened with Tyrod and that sucks to be honest the way Tyrod lost his job but Justin Herbert's lighting it on fire right now in fantasy points per game he ranks fifth behind Pat Mahomes Dak Prescott Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson Herbert's averaging 25.3 fantasy points per game so that's excellent for this young kid and there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the league right now the league is in a very good spot if you look at it from that perspective but Herbert at six, seven Aaron Rodgers, Thursday Night Football at San Francisco. I typically usually bet against teams like the Green Bay Packers because I feel like they're kind of fraudulent when they're on the road. We saw that in Tampa Bay. We saw it twice last year against San Francisco. But San Francisco so beat up and almost all their skill position players are either out with injury or they have COVID. It's going to be a heavy Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon type of uh, game. And I don't think even the Packers are going to blow this because I just think too many cards are stacked against Kyle Shanahan and these 49ers, despite the fact that they are home. Eight is Lamar Jackson at Indianapolis. Teams are figuring out Lamar Jackson. They're forcing him to throw outside the numbers, crowding the middle of the field. They're attacking this rushing game that's not nearly as good as it once was because Marshall Yon is not there and now they just lost Ronnie Stanley for the year. And that's a devastating loss. You lose your left tackle, someone as talented as Stanley. It's not great for the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be heavy J.K. Dobbins. They're going to try, I think, to feed the squeaky wheel of Marquise Brown since he came out after the game and said they need to throw him the football and he's right. Guy had one catch for three yards and a touchdown. Luckily, it was a touchdown. But Lamar just doesn't look like the Lamar from last year. There's no excusing it. We've seen... Offenses like Greg Romans hit the ceiling before with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. Hit a ceiling, people started to figure it out, and then it wasn't a lot. And I'm not saying that's necessarily happening from Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson has to adapt. He has to adapt and prove that he can adjust to defenses when they try to force him to do something that makes him a little bit uncomfortable, and they take away his legs. It should be an interesting matchup with the Colts. Nine is Tom Brady versus the New Orleans Saints. Brady has been playing pretty well he had a modest game against the Giants on Monday Night Football but he still had a solid fantasy game especially in that week that was pretty low scoring 10 is Ben Roethlisberger at Dallas Dallas can't stop anything except for I guess Carson Wentz but I don't believe that's going to be a norm for them I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to steamroll them and whatever quarterback that Dallas puts up there as a sacrificial lamb best of luck TJ Watt Bud Dupree and that defense are going to feast on the soul of that poor man 11 is Matt Ryan versus Denver which I think could be a sneaky kind of shootout if Drew Locke can keep up with what the Falcons are going to be able to do coming off of an extended buy type of situation since they did play on Thursday Night Football. 12, Derek Carr at the Chargers. Again, I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. It's a 52-point over-under, and I think it could be Carr airing it out to guys like Ruggs and Aguilar with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and those boys on the Chargers doing their thing. But then you'll, I also want to kind of go back to the Falcons game. 
It's a 50-point over-under. I think it could go above that over-under, to be honest, but it all depends on Drew Locke, who's been inconsistent. He has Pat Shermer, who I think Giant fans can agree is a good offensive coach. You don't want him as your head coach. I mean, I at least feel that he simplified an offense for Daniel Jones. He did a solid job doing that, but his in-game management was highly questionable. But Drew Locke, you watch some of the games, you go through the game pass, and you see some of his throws. They're just off-target, overthrown, doesn't necessarily look that great, but then he'll just turn it on, and he'll lead a game-winning drive down the field, which he did last week against the Chargers. So he gets to go to Atlanta. I think Atlanta's defense is playing a lot better than they have been playing since they fired Dan Quinn. With Reem Morris, they've been playing a little bit harder, it seems like, for sure. They were all over Carolina. Carolina's offense has been looking a little suspect. But I think that game could possibly go over, and that's going to lead to more fantasy points for Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley, it's up in the air if he's going to be playing, as is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's not catching any passes until Friday. And I think AB, who I'll get into a little bit later, may have a pretty solid game in his first outing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their rapport with Tom Brady is already there. But after Derek Carr, I got Cam Newton at the New York Jets, Drew Brees at Tampa Bay, which we're looking for just a lot of dump-offs to hopefully Michael Thomas in the short to intermediate game. And then obviously Alvin Kamara, who gets his 12 targets sometimes he's just targeted so much he's basically a receiver who runs the football which is an excellent thing to have you hope that he is fully healthy because he does have some sort of bone bruise in his foot it's nothing to worry about he says he's going to play on Sunday but you know always hesitant when someone has some sort of foot pain because you need your feet we've seen Alvin Kamara struggle when he has had injuries and tried to play through them in the past but I'm not overly worried about him 15, I have Ryan Tannehill versus Chicago. Chicago is a very good defense. Both of these teams want to slow things down. Might not be super high-scoring type of affair because both of these teams' identity is to run the football. The over-under is only 46.5, which isn't overly sexy. And the game script suggests that Tennessee might jump up to an early lead and then force Nick Foles to throw the football, which may result in some good stuff for Allen Robinson, but not necessarily for Ryan Tannehill. That's why I have him a little bit lower, despite the fact that he is playing really well this year in terms of fantasy football. As of right now, he ranks 11th in fantasy points, tied with Matt Ryan, literally with 154.1 fantasy points on the season. So the, the one thing, though, about Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan has played eight games. Ryan Tannehill has only played seven because Tannehill already had his bye when they were going through all that COVID stuff. 16, I do have Drew Locke. I already touched on him. That's at Atlanta. 17, Kirk Cousins versus Detroit. The problem with this is last week, Detroit didn't need to throw the football. They didn't need to throw the football at all because Green Bay was terrible. So you're throwing the ball 14 times in a game because all you have to do is run the football. They can't stop anybody. That's what happened against Green Bay. And now with Detroit, without Matt Stafford, it gives me a little bit of pause. That's why he's a little bit lower. Detroit typically isn't known for being an excellent pass defense whatsoever. I mean, I like their young corners, but their young corners, Detroit ranks, I think, about like 15th or 16th in fantasy points. They allow about 23.2 fantasy points a game to the quarterback position, but I don't think necessarily Kirk Cousins is going to have to do that with the rushing attack that we see from Minnesota and the fact that Detroit's run defense gives up the second most fantasy points to the running back position just behind Green Bay. I don't know what's going on with the NFC North. 18, I got Nick Mullins versus Green Bay. That's tonight. He's in a really tough spot now that Brendan Ayuk and all his skill position players are in the COVID protocol. They don't necessarily have COVID, but they were in close contact with Kendrick Bourne, who does have COVID. And they just shipped Dante Pettis out of town. And the Giants have him now. So Nick Mullins is... His back's going to be against the wall without 
George Kittle. I'm going to rely heavily on some creative short passes to the running backs, try to get Ross Dwelly involved. It's, it may get ugly, to be honest. 19, Teddy Bridgewater at Kansas City, and then 20, Daniel Jones versus Washington. And honestly, re-looking over this, now that everybody is on COVID, I'd pu- put Nick Mullins behind Daniel Jones, to be frank. Anyways, that's the top 20 of my quarterback rankings. Let's go on to the running backs. If you want to see the rest, please check it out at Big Blue View. Running backs, number one on the week, to no one's surprise, Dalvin Cook versus Detroit. Like I said, Detroit can't stop really anything on the ground, give up the second most fantasy points to the running back position, and Dalvin Cook is back to his normal workload. He's back to dominating the carries. He's back to being the beast that he is, and he still is involved on those quick screens that the Gary Kubiak offense loves to run he's involved in the passing game as a check down target and he does an excellent job kind of taking advantage of those types of opportunities number two is alvin kamara at tampa bay again just so much of the opportunity so much of the target share so much of the workload gets goal line carries whenever they get in that area sometimes he gets vultured by latavius murray or Taysom hill which is frustrating but kamara hasn't scored for a little bit now and i think it's coming soon and this is a good defense let's not forget about that but wayne gallman just punched up in a touchdown, which honestly, if we're going to be really, really honest about this, that was a touchdown by Evan Ingram that wasn't called. If you go back, you watch the All-22, Evan Ingram dives into the end zone. The ball is stretched over the pylon. That should have been six for Evan Ingram, which we all know he needs for a confidence boost, but it's neither here nor there. Number three is Christian McCaffrey at Kansas City. I have to put McCaffrey's skill set this high. He hasn't necessarily been activated yet. He's practicing. Matt Rule says he looks good, and I'm a little, I guess, nervous the fact that he hasn't been activated, and I, I mean, I, I believe he'll play this week, but I don't think he's going to dominate the target share and get 90% of the touches. I think Mike Davis will be involved in this game. It's going to be annoying if you're a Christian McCaffrey owner, but he's still Christian McCaffrey. He's still an absolute stud. He's a beast. He's going to get his checkdowns, especially because we imagine Kansas City's going to take a pretty commanding lead at home against this Carolina Panthers team. So I have Christian McCaffrey at three, but I, obviously the caveat that there has to be some sort of hesitation. You don't know how much work he's going to receive and I mean if this is a blowout game why are you going to keep feeding Christian McCaffrey coming off of a injury that is easily re-aggravated so there's hesitation there but I think if you have him you probably don't have many other better options so you're you're going to roll with McCaffrey for Derrick Henry versus Chicago again like I said this is going to be a pound the rock kind of game from both of these teams and I trust what that Tennessee offense can do against a really talented Chicago Bears team, but you need Nick Foles to move the sticks consistently. I'm not fully confident in that, despite the fact that Tennessee's defense is not Tennessee defense that we're used to seeing whatsoever. Joe Burrow just lit them on fire, but Joe Burrow was far more talented than Nick Foles, obviously. So Derrick Henry, I have a four, five, James Conner at Dallas. Dallas can't stop the run. They're terrible in their run fits. They have no gap discipline whatsoever. Boston Scott was running all over them for a significant part of the early portions of that Eagles game. And now I think the Steelers are going to come in there and it's going to be 35 points or so dropped on Dallas's face. And James Conner, hopefully he finds the end zone twice, but he's going to be involved both ways and he has to be in your lineup. Six, James Robinson coming off of the bye against Houston, a team that typically struggles to stop the run. They're third in giving up fantasy points to the running back position. They surrender around 31.7 fantasy points per game in half-point PPR leagues to that position. So I think this is going to be a lot of James Robinson. They're not going to want to put a lot on Jake Luton, the rookie quarterback who is starting because Gardner Minshew has a hand injury. They're going to want to just run the rock, 
try to establish a run at home against a high-powered offense in Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and even David Johnson if you want to throw him in there. So James Robinson is going to have the opportunity. He's 6-7 is Chase Edmonds versus Miami. Kenyon Drake is still out. It's not as serious as a lot of people originally anticipated for Kenyon Drake, which is good, but a lot of people already suspect that Chase Edmonds is a better running back than Kenyon Drake. I don't think Chase Edmonds is going to receive the lion's share. I think Eno Benjamin, seventh-round pick out of Arizona State, is going to come in. He's going to take some targets, kind of maybe even play a similar role that Chase Edmonds played. It might be a little annoying, but I still think Chase Edmonds can find the end zone. I still think he's going to have a solid workload, and you know Kyler Murray trusts him in the pass game. So I like Chase Edmonds against Miami, a team that, again, has an ascending defense for sure, but a team that is on the road against a high-powered offense where you have to guard people like DeAndre Hopkins and you have Christian Kirk and players like that, and you have the legs of Kyler Murray, which opens up some opportunity for the rushing attack. Eight, Josh Jacobs at Los Angeles. I know this. I think this game is going to be more of a, a throw-it kind of game, but you know early on they're going to give Josh Jacobs a lot of carries. He's going to get at least 15 touches in this game, if not more. They love to get him involved in the rushing attack. They use Jalen Rashard and Booker. DeAndre Booker a little bit too much sometimes, I guess you could say. Enough to piss you off, at least. But Josh Jacobs is still their lead back, and whenever they get on the goal line, they like to pound the rock and try to get this guy some fantasy points. And he comes into the top 10. Nine would be David Johnson on the road against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, much like Houston, is not necessarily good at defending the run. Jacksonville gives up the fourth most fantasy points to the running back position, 30.9 fantasy points per game, and I expect that to somewhat continue, especially if this Jacksonville offense can't score because the Jacksonville offense can't score Texans are just going to be winding the clock down it's going to be a lot of David Johnson in that late third quarter fourth quarter and that could lead to some fantasy points for your team David Johnson he's probably has some healthy legs right now coming off of the bye week and they love to give him double digit opportunities so he comes in the top 10 as well and as does Clyde Edwards Alaire Clyde Edwards Alaire did nothing against the New York Jets it was just let's bomb the ball deep let's get Travis Kelsey Tyree Kill Demarcus Robinson Nicole Hardman involved and it was not a lot of Le'Veon Bell. wasn't a lot of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I know Le'Veon Bell is being very, very annoying right now. <laughs> don't get me wrong for Clyde Edwards-Alaire owners, but I still think Clyde is going to have his games. I don't think he's going to be totally phased out. He's not a running back one anymore, but I still think he's a low-end running back two, and I think he's somebody that you can start, especially in this kind of game script against a Carolina team that has been better against the run. Everyone remembers week one. Like, like People always say... Fantasy players have bias towards what they first see in a season. And in week one, Carolina surrendered three touchdowns to Josh Jacobs. So everyone thinks Carolina's rush defense is terrible. But Derek Brown has kind of come along a little bit, the rookie they drafted out of Auburn. And the defense has kind of stabilized a little bit. But I think on the road against this high-powered team like the Chiefs, it's going to be hard to stop everything. And they're going to have to focus on so much. I think Clyde could actually have a solid outing in this game. And I know he didn't do much last week, but I'm willing to plug him into my lineup. And that's why he comes here in the top 10. And then the 11, I had Aaron Jones. It's a little unclear if he's going to be able to play this game. So I'm going to ignore that and just move right on to Chris Carson, which is 12 for me at Buffalo. Chris Carson, another player who is dealing with an injury. He's not necessarily fully confirmed to play at Buffalo. I think if he was healthy, and if he is healthy, you got to probably play him depending on the other options that you have on his team. This could be a high-scoring game. He gets the goal line carries. He's played through injuries before, but you have to monitor it. A lot of people thought he was going to play last week, and he didn't. So Chris Carson is somebody that you have to kind of 
always look out for when he's dealing with these kind of nagging injuries. 13, Ezekiel Elliott versus Pittsburgh. It's very, very hard to run against Pittsburgh, especially when you have someone named Ben DiNucci or Cooper Rush as your quarterback. But Elliott's going to get a lot of checkdowns. If you're in PPR leagues, he's... A, uh, he's an option that you kind of have to play unless you're really stacked at the running back position, and it sucks. You don't want to own Ezekiel Elliott right now in fantasy football, especially not against Pittsburgh. But check out his schedule after Pittsburgh, and maybe after this game, which we had imagined that he's not going to do that well in unless he does break a run or they do somehow get on the goal line and he punches it in. He'll, he'll have the opportunity, but that's very hard to do against Pittsburgh. But he's maybe a target you could trade for on the dirt, dirt cheap. For just the talent in something like a dynasty league or something that you can have him maybe next season when this team stabilizes a bit but right now it's not necessarily pretty for Elliott he used to be in the top three almost every week and now he's just falling and you you want to bet on the talent of him but I think Tony Pollard's going to keep eating into this workload they're not going to put too many miles on his legs and it's just it's he's a frustrating player to own for this season but if you're looking for the future something to capitalize on a dynasty Todd Gurley the second versus Denver would be my 14th player on this list. Think about Todd Gurley. He's not that explosive, but every time they get on the goal line, they love using him. I have a little bit of concern about him. I know they're at home. They're favored to win this football game, but you saw a lot of Hill last week, and I'm thinking Gurley was dealing with some injury, but it gives me a little hesitation. If you can get off Gurley, I would think about it if you have other players. But he still gets the opportunity, and if he does get the opportunity, if that was an injury, he could have a solid game. But Denver has been really, really good against the run. And honestly, as I look at these rankings, I'd probably drop him down a little bit more because you do have guys with a little bit more upside than him. Like even somebody like J.K. Dobbins against Indianapolis, a team that is a good defense. Baltimore's on the road. Their offense doesn't look the same. They just lost their left tackle. But Dobbins, despite all of that, they were home last week, but they played Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is the best run defense in the league. Dobbins was able to put up over 100 yards on the ground. So it depends on how you want to build your fantasy team. And I think Gurley and Elliott both carry risk. I'd probably drop them down a little bit. So let's just make that clear. But J.K. Dobbins is 15th for me. And it doesn't look like Mark Ingram's going to be there. And even if he was, I think you have to ride with Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. But they like to use three backs and then use the legs of Lamar Jackson, which can be frustrating to own a running back in a backfield like that. Just received an update on my phone about Christian McCaffrey. Reports are saying that he's moving incredibly well at practice, showing burst. So it's looking more and more like that he'll be activated for this game. And uh, like I said, I, I'm not, I wasn't doubting that, but it, that's a reassuring thing for people who do own McCaffrey. 16, I have David Montgomery at Tennessee. Montgomery just gets so much workload. He's inefficient. He's not that great, but they throw the football to him, and you kind of have to plug him in, especially in PPR leagues, because he gets all that opportunity, and he has Nick Foles, who has a proclivity to check the football down. So he comes in at 16, 17, Antonio Gibson at the New York Giants. Last time these two teams met, it was a lot of J.D. McKissick. It was a lot of Antonio Gibson. You hope coming off the bye, you'd see a little bit more Gibson than McKissick, and that's, I guess, what you expect in theory. So I think Antonio Gibson at the New York Giants, a lot of checkdowns in the flat. Teams have been attacking the New York Giants in the flat and trying to, because the Giants run a lot of base cover three type of defenses with a lot of unique coverages on the back end. But you can flood the outside, especially if they're a defender, especially to the field, but especially if the defender isn't quick enough to kind of get out there you can really flood that outside and use a lot of check downs with the running back especially what they like to do with Gibson man they like to put him in the slot and kind of let him be the receiver that he was at Memphis sometimes if they want to get creative I think they could do that coming off a of bye I think they're gonna have a game plan to target that against the New York Giants so I like Antonio Gibson and he's gonna receive probably unless Peyton Barber 
does his Peyton Barber-esque type things and vultures a touchdown, he's going to receive some goal line carries. So you, you, you like Gibson, but I mean, best of luck scoring on the goal line against the New York Giants, especially if you try to pound the rock up the middle because whew, those boys can really, really play. Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence are absolute monsters. Jamichael Hasty, that's Thursday Night Football, versus the Green Bay Packers. I have at 18, 19, Justin Jackson versus the Raiders. And 20, Damian Harris at the New York Jets. And then right after that, I have Jarek McKinnon for anybody who cares. But by the time you listen to this, Jarek McKinnon would have already played. And everyone can make fun of me if I was wrong about that. But I do believe it's going to be a lot of Hasty and McKinnon. And if you guys want to check out the rest of the rankings, please go to Big Blue View. I have all 32 ranked all the way down there. And before... We go on to the wide receivers. Please let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Wide receivers. The number one wide receiver that I have would be Devontae Adams. And that's Thursday night game. Don't really necessarily go through that. It's just from a target share perspective. That game, we're not 100% sure how San Francisco is going to be able to play. Again, I had more confidence in them until everybody went down with COVID. But Devontae Adams is on fire right now. He's healthy. And he's the only target that it seems like Aaron Rodgers really trusts. I think Robert Tunyon, he trusts somewhat. But you see Jay Sternberger being used. You see DeGuire being used somewhat. And it doesn't necessarily give you the best feeling when they're vulturing touchdowns from someone like Tunyon. But Devontae Adams, number one. Number two, I actually have Steph Diggs versus Seattle. I don't think these Seattle cornerbacks are going to be able to keep up with Diggs. And Diggs has been relatively quiet the last couple of weeks. And I think that's going to change this week. Seattle gives up the fourth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Three, DeAndre Hopkins versus Miami. I know Miami's defense has been playing better. I do not care. DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute beast and he's one week healthier. Four, Julio Jones versus Denver. Again, I don't think, I'm not sure if Ridley's going to play. I, I shouldn't say for certain because he did end up getting injured, but he had that extended week since they played on Thursday Night Football to get healthy. But it's not a certainty that he's going to play in this game. We'll have to see. Julio Jones, though, 
is an absolute beast and when he misses games i struggle to trust matt ryan but if ridley misses games you still have julio jones good luck denver covering julio jones because he's just crazy good five keenan allen his target share is absolutely ridiculous on this offense mike williams is kind of coming along and eating into the target share i guess you could say a little bit but he's still in the last four games commands a 27 percent target share which is crazy mike williams more that deep shot kind of guy Hunter Henry has 17% of the target share. Justin Jackson has 14% of the target share in that time span as well. But Keenan Allen is Justin Herbert's guy, and it should be a high-scoring game, as I said before. It's 52-point over-under, and I don't really trust any of these Raiders cornerbacks who do a great job covering someone like Keenan Allen, so he comes in at 5. DK Metcalf at Buffalo. Good luck to Davius White. I think he's a very, very good cornerback. But DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. And if Russell Wilson is targeting Metcalf, I think he's going to have success. But check the weather again. Seven, Tyreek Hill versus Carolina. These deep shots are destroying teams. We saw it against the Jets. We saw it kind of all season, to be honest. And they're also using Hill in some unique ways, I guess you could say, around the goal line, jet sweeps, touch passes, things like that. And that's resulting in more touchdowns for Tyreek Hill. Carolina, though on the season against wide receivers they do relatively well they're in the bottom half they're about 23rd i guess you could say they allow about 31.8 fantasy points per game against a wide receiver position but all you need is one big play from any of these guys including miko hardman or even demarcus robinson and that could mean tyree kill doesn't get his big play but if you have hill you're starting them eight is Allen robinson against tennessee tennessee gives up the most wide receiver points to that position, most fantasy points, I should say, duh, to the wide receiver position, and it's mostly boundary type of guys like Allen Robinson, not as much the slot. Without Adoree Jackson, they've struggled, Tennessee, and Allen Robinson gets a huge bulk of that target share from Nick Foles. Chicago, when they're throwing the football, they target him 23% of the time. They just pepper him with targets and defenses really try to take him away, and it just doesn't necessarily work. Nine, Adam Thielen versus Detroit again. Kirk Cousins could throw the ball 15 times. We don't know with this game script, but Adam Thielen's skill set, you're never going to bench him because he's great and he's in a good matchup. Michael Thomas at Tampa Bay. Michael Thomas is healthy and he plays in this game. I like Carlton Davis. I like that pass defense, but it's still Michael Thomas, and I think you have to roll the dice unless it's a two-wide receiver league and you have anybody above this list. And even if you have someone like Tyler Lockett, you can consider it because you know Trey White's going to be on DK Metcalf which is going to allow the second cornerback to be on Tyler Lockett, which could result in some excellent fantasy opportunities for Tyler Lockett, who gets to see Teron Johnson, who is the slot receiver for Buffalo, who's hasn't been necessarily great against the Buffalo Bills. They've given up some fantasy points to that slot position. So Tyler Lockett, I love. He's just outside my top 10, but I love him this week. I know he had a down week last week, but I could see it being a bounce back week. Will Fuller, against Jacksonville. Kind of went over this before. Jacksonville has not been good at guarding these faster type receivers. They rank about 10th in fantasy points allowed to the position with 43.2 fantasy points allowed. CJ Henderson has been dealing with injuries. It's just not a great situation. I think coming off the bye, you're going to see Deshaun Watson slinging the football. And I think that's going to work to the benefit of Fuller and Brandon Cooks, who comes in a little bit later. 13, I had Brendan Ayuk, came down with COVID, got to scratch him off the list. No other San Francisco wide, wide receiver is going to come in here and take this spot. 14, A.J. Brown versus Chicago. Brown, a lot of people look at Corey Davis last week and point to how great Corey Davis did, and they're starting to talk off A.J. Brown a little bit despite the fact that he's scoring touchdowns. A.J. Brown is an amazing player. 
And if you have him, you're going to start him even in this tough matchup against Chicago. It is a tough matchup, but he's going to see target share again. I think they're going to run the football a lot, but he's the first target in this offense. Dennis Corey Davis. John Smith fell off the planet. But the offense passing game runs through A.J. Brown. 15, Terry McLaurin against the Giants. McLaurin was relatively quiet against the Giants last week. I think they're going to try to get him involved a little bit more, maybe get him away from James Bradbury and try to really manipulate the zone coverage that the Giants love to use. I think it's going to hopefully work to the benefit if you are a Terry McLaurin owner. To McLaurin, if you're a Giant fan, not as much. But I think with the Washington football team coming off of the bye, they're going to really focus on getting their two best playmakers the ball in Gibson and McLaurin. And then you have guys like Logan Thomas who are that red zone kind of threat to operate in the middle of the field. So that that's kind of what I'm expecting. you got to look at what teams have done against the New York Giants in the past couple weeks. Look at what Tampa Bay did. They used tight ends down the field. There were a couple times where Gronk beat Jabril Peppers on seam routes, and Tom Brady did not hit him. You still saw Gronk get a touchdown in that game. You saw Cam Brake get involved on these little quick spacing concepts, and I think Logan Thomas could be in for at least six targets, and he'll probably catch four of them, which is all you can ask from the tight end position. But Terry McLaurin, if you have him, you can fire him up. Robbie Anderson at the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, Anderson's just out-targeting DJ Moore. Now, there were a couple games where DJ Moore had double-digit targets. I think the offense is... I think it's a bad look on the offense to not get DJ Moore more opportunity and more targets, especially in that Thursday night game. Guy had, like, three targets. And one of them was, like, the first pass of the game. And then after that, you didn't see him... You didn't make a catch until the fourth quarter, until, like, that last drive. And then he made that 40-yard catch. And it was like, wow, that's the DJ Moore that you should try to get involved more. But they did not. But Robbie Anderson... He has that game-breaking speed, and he is the number one target in this offense right now. He comes in at 16-17, Mike Evans against New Orleans, and (laughs) good old Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans. I'm sure there will be some sort of fight, so hopefully he does not get suspended in this game. But you know when they get in the red zone, which you sure Tampa Bay will be in the red zone against this New Orleans defense, that just gives up fantasy points to wide receivers. They give up the third most, about 47 fantasy points a game. They gave up to the wide receiver uh, position. I think Tampa Bay, around the red zone, will look to target Gronk and Mike Evans. And I honestly think you're going to see a decent amount of Antonio Brown. He comes in a little bit later. But 18, I have Mike Williams versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Those deep shots, man. They love taking the deep shots to Mike Williams. The dot is incredibly high because they love to attack with Justin Herbert's arm and the speed, frame, physicality at the catch point that Mike Williams has. Now, He had that one target in the end zone, didn't necessarily go up for it as aggressively as he usually does, and it was ended up being intercepted, leading to the Chargers losing. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and this game comes in my top 20. 19, Cole Beasley versus Seattle. I think with John Brown still dealing with injury, he may be healthy for this game, but I think Marquise Brown, I mean Cole Beasley, I'm sorry, Marquise Brown's next. I think Cole Beasley is going to still get peppered with targets to move the football against his Seattle team, and he's somebody that you can trust as a wide receiver too. It's kind of weird. It doesn't sound all that sexy, but he's somebody that has been producing for your fantasy team. 20 is Marquise Brown at Indianapolis, and I just think the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's why I have this. I don't think this offense kind of stabilizes and finds their groove, but I think there's going to be some deep shots against Xavier Rhodes, who... If he's matched up on Marquise Brown, I think that's a mismatch from a speed and athleticism point of view. And I think Brown can finally break one deep, which I've been saying for a while, I feel like. But I, I think it's a possibility. And I think if you can take advantage of Eberflus's defense, which is hard because he plays zone coverage excellently. But if you if you can 
have the right route combinations to drag a safety down in the middle of the field and when they're in too high and then sneak Brown behind them against somebody like Rhodes, I think that could really work out for your fantasy team, for the Ravens, and for Marquise Brown, who has been complaining. And I think that's going to kind of lead to a little bit more targets. I think he has a point as well. That's the top 20. And Antonio Brown comes in at 26. Well, I'll just quickly go through it. 21, I have DJ Moore at Kansas City. 22, Nelson Aguilar at the Los Angeles Chargers. 23, Justin Jefferson versus Detroit. Again, Matt Stafford has COVID. I'd probably drop him down a little bit because I don't think it's going to be as competitive as it originally looked. 24, Brendan Cooks at Jacksonville. We'll definitely have Brendan Cooks over Justin Jefferson now. 25, Sterling Shepard versus Washington. And then 26, Antonio Brown versus New Orleans. We saw last year when Tom Brady got Antonio Brown on the Patriots in week two against Miami. They had rapport, and he threw a touchdown pass to him that game. I think if Antonio Brown plays in this game, which he's going to play in this game, against New Orleans, a pass defense that surrenders so many fantasy points to this position, I think he's going to have a touch. I think he's going to get targeted. I think Tom Brady's going to look to get him involved. I don't typically advocate for receivers who are just joining teams for them to be used, but with Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, that unique case, Tom Brady brought this guy into his house. He's like taking him under his wing. They're like best buds. <laughs> it's, it's odd, but what Antonio Brown can do for this offense, it, it's huge, even though they have all these skilled position players, but these guys are injured. And now you replace basically someone like Scotty Miller, who gets to drop down on the depth chart a little bit for with a skill set of Antonio Brown. If he's anything the same, similar to what he was, I think he could have a, a pretty solid game here. And if you know, I'm in a three-receiver league and I'm getting hit by bye weeks, I have like T. Higgins and players like that who are bye this week. I'm going to plug Antonio Brown in and be confident about it. And now, not fully confident, just because it is unknown, but more confident than I would be really any other new receiver joining a team for the first time. But Brown has had this playbook for a couple weeks now. He's probably learned the, the at least the easier parts of this, and I, and I know Tom Brady is going to target him in, in situations that could get him going, get him involved, get his confidence up in a game that's probably going to be competitive. And then after Brown, I have Jamison Crowder versus New England, Deontay Johnson at Dallas, Juju Smith-Schuster at Dallas, DJ Chark versus Houston, Jerry Judy at Atlanta, and then Chase Claypool at Dallas to round it out. All right, let's dive into the tight ends real quick. Tight end is a gross position. It's obviously, it's always Travis Kelsey against Carolina. It's always Travis Kelsey number one, essentially now, especially with George Kittle out. George Kittle typically has that higher upside than someone like Travis Kelsey from the fact that George Kittle will go off and have 35 points in a game. But Travis Kelsey is just so consistent, stupid consistent. Gets you 16, 18, 22, 25 fantasy points sometimes. That's why he's basically always the tight end one, in my opinion, on this offense. Pat Mahomes loves to target him. And even in matchups where they're blowing teams out, he has great fantasy games like last week. And against Carolina, I think it's going to be the same. He's going to have another great fantasy matchup, and that's not saying anything at all that is crazy. <laughs> Travis Kelsey has 25% of the target share in the last four games for Kansas City. You look at Carolina and what they give up to the tight end position ranks about half, about 15th in the league. They just surrender 12 fantasy points a game to Kansas City. It's going to be more than 12 fantasy points against Travis Kelsey. I can almost imagine that. Certainly. I mean, yeah, Travis Kelsey had like a three-point game or a four-point game a couple games ago. People were like, oh man, what the... It's Travis Kelsey, okay? That's stud. Absolutely. Darren Waller at Los Angeles is another player that so you're just happy to see your lineup and plug him in. Darren Waller is definitely going to be inserted, as is Rob Gronkowski, which I'm 
a little shocked, I guess you could say. Antonio Brown's going to eat into it a little bit, but Rob Gronkowski's been a consistent fantasy performer for the last several weeks. He's finding the end zone. He's involved in the offense. Did not think it would be like this. I thought he was more of a trap, but he's one of the more reliable players right now at the position because there's not a lot of a lot of reliability there, and you get to go up against the Saints who have not done well in guarding the tight end position. Now they've they don't average as many points against the position as you would imagine looking over the stats but there have been games where tight ends have torched the saints darren waller has done that remember that from a couple weeks ago where they ran the offense through darren waller and malcolm jenkins it was on monday night and that and that defense couldn't do anything so i have gronkowski there for mark andrews at indianapolis again <laughs> that ravens offense is a little bit weird mark andrews is always good for possibly scoring a touchdown tj hawkinson at minnesota and TJ Hawkins, I think he's somebody, if you own, you're probably starting him. Six, Noah Fant. I think he's somebody who can have a breakout game against Atlanta. We've seen Atlanta give up multiple touchdowns to the tight end position in games before when the offense runs through that specific player. And I'm not going to necessarily say the offense runs through Noah Fant, but I think with his skill set against in this matchup, I think this could be a game where Fant just explodes. I think the upside on this game is very, very high. It's just we haven't seen it quite yet, and that's why I have him at six. But if you have Noah Fant, unless you have Kelsey and some of these other guys, and especially if you're going for upside, I, I would roll with him there. I mean, we saw Robert Tunyon score three touchdowns against Atlanta, absolutely torch him. So, I, And I, I think it's a little bit different of a defense. Again, I think they're coming along a little bit better. But I, I do like I do like Noah Fant this week. Seven, Eric Ebron at Dallas. Eight, Hunter Henry versus the Raiders. You hope he falls into the end zone. Doesn't really offer too much past that. I mean, he's, he's solid as just a big target in the middle of the field, but he always has touchdown upside because he is so large. Nine, Hayden Hurst versus Denver. We're not sure if Calvin Ridley's playing. If he doesn't play, I like Hayden Hurst that much more in the middle of the field against the Denver Broncos. Ten, Evan Ingram versus Washington. Jared Cook versus Tampa Bay. Jimmy Graham at Tennessee is 12. 13, Johnny Smith versus Chicago. 14, Robert Tunyon versus San Francisco. And then 15, I have Ross Dwelly versus Green Bay. Both those guys are going Thursday night football. If you guys want to see the rest of these stats, please go to Big Blue View. Or the rest of these rankings, I should say. Please go to Big Blue View and check them out. I believe just going over these tight ends, it's you're hoping to get it into the red zone. You're hoping for a high-scoring game with more passing attempts, more quick passes. And that's kind of what you're looking for, these little quick opportunities for some of these players. It's difficult, man. It really is. Like I have Trey Burton, Logan Thomas, and Mike Gesicki as my next three, but Gesicki has been a disappointment. Trey Burton is going up against a tough matchup in the Baltimore Ravens. You hope it's competitive, and, or you hope that they're throwing the football even, and I like the fact they're using Trey Burton creatively in the red zone, but it's still not necessarily a certainty. You have guys like Jack Doyle. You have Moelle Cox, who could be back for this game as well, but I think Trey Burton is somebody who's sneaky. It's a tough matchup, but he's sneaky in the sense of Maybe you could sneak him onto your roster and play him. Now, if you guys are in fantasy football, though, the thing I really wanted to touch on with the tight end position, two players. I mentioned one earlier, Austin Hooper, who could be on your free agent wire. Nobody's looking at him. He's a bye week. Nobody picked him up. Get him and plug him into your IR spot right now because he's out. Drop some nobody on your bench. Plug Austin Hooper into your IR spot, and you could have a huge advantage for the rest of the season gaining a reliable tight end, which is very, very hard to come by. Dallas Goddard's another one. He's by this week. If no one picked him up last week, Dallas Goddard didn't do anything. He probably got cut on a lot of teams because he had one target that he caught. But I think going into the bye week, coming out of it, that offense is going to utilize the tight end position. That's what they've done historically under Dougie P. So pick up Dallas Goddard 
and ride him through this bye. Obviously, don't play him. And then on the other end of the bye, when he gets to play teams like the Giants and he gets to go up against Dallas again, you would probably you're probably going to be grateful to have someone like Dallas Goddard. So I, I would definitely do that. All right, guys, please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. And please have a lovely day. This has been the Falados Fantasy Corner. I am Nicholas Falado, and everyone, best of luck on your fantasy matchups in Week Nine. Get a win. Take care.